What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast, where we highlight guests who will inspire you to do more, be more, and live a more fulfilling life. Today's guest, Ellie Rome, holds a special place in my heart because she is another engineer who chose to leave the corporate world behind and help other people live a healthier and happier lifestyle. We discuss everything from her being on the carnivore diet to the struggles of leaving a full-time salary and all the ups and downs that come along with helping other people with their lifestyle choices. So please give it up for Ellie Rome from Mindful Belly. What's up, guys? It's Friday, and I'm super excited to have Ellie Rome from Mindful Belly here on the podcast. She's a holistic health coach here in Austin, Texas. How are you doing today, Ellie? I am good, CJ. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. You also got your run in, apparently, before this. <laughs> yes, this hot yes. Hot-ass <laughs> Texas weather. How'd that go? Was it It was, was good. It, good? it was super quick, but... Made it out there. Yeah, I was running a little bit behind today. It's typical um, when I have meetings because uh, I just get over exuberant with whoever I'm meeting with. And I hit up Ellie and let her know that I'm going to be a little bit late today. So she took advantage of it with a run, it looks like. But I'm excited for this conversation and where it's going to go. But the first question I have for you is you're doing the carnivore diet right now, right? Yeah. yeah. How has it been going? It's been great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to talk to you, CJ. Um, but yeah, the carnivore diet has been going great. It's been about 75 days now. And initially, when I heard carnivore diet, I was like, there's no way that's optimal. There's no, like, I thought, yeah, people going from a standard American diet to a carnivore diet, I think that's a definite step in the right direction because you're getting off sugar, refined oils, all that. But I was like, there's no way that's optimal. That was my initial reaction to it. But then, after hearing actually Kyle Kingsbury's podcast with Dr. Paul Saladino, it opened my eyes because I was still having eczema. I've been on a like a strict AIP paleo diet for about eight years, and that was from having autoimmune condition, um, eczema bloating, just digestive issues, a lot of health issues, and that really helped me for like the first six years. I was like thriving. I was like, this is the best. And then I think it was after having to take a round of antibiotics, something I feel like has just been off the last couple of years. And I started having eczema again on my hip and my wrist and it was just bloated a lot. Nothing crazy like life, like altering. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like, it was so bothered. I was like, I know I'm not optimal, but I'm, I feel like I'm eating the cleanest foods. Why is this not like, why don't I feel like a 10? And so I heard that podcast and I was like, this makes so much sense. Maybe this is something. And I've always, Meat for me was like my safe food because vegetables, I've always had issues with certain things with my digestion. I've always had to cook down vegetables a lot. was already eliminating a lot of things. Like I was already off like grains, dairy, certain vegetables. So I was very restricted already, but I was forcing myself to eat them because of the conventional wisdom that we need to fill our plate. And so um, I heard Michaela Peterson's podcast, Jordan Peterson's daughter. She had really severe autoimmunity and she went carnivore and it transformed her life. And so just started kind of diving into the research, kind of got obsessed <laughs> with a little bit. I, I often do that, like find something really interesting and then I go so kind of crazy. Break it down for everyone okay. out there. So you're struggling a little bit with autoimmune issues and I, I relate to this. How did you even know where to start? So you listen to this podcast and you're intrigued by it. And I've actually listened to multiple podcasts where people have cured, not cured, but like helped their celiac. And that's what I have going carnivore. And I've never had to go fully into it just yet. I've thought about doing it sporadically, but where I always get trumped is like, where do I start first? Like what type of meat, where do I get the meat? 
things like that? And what does it actually look like on a daily basis? Like, are you waking up and eating meat for breakfast or like, what does that look like? So how did you know where to start when you were on this journey of seeking this new way of eating? Yeah. So there's so many great resources out there. Um, Dr. Paul Saladino, he's, got, he's a carnivore MD on Instagram. That was a huge help. And his book was really helpful. And then there's a podcast called Carnivore Cast. But honestly, where to start? I have, I already have a lot of I have issues also with fish and avoid eggs, not just like the egg whites, but also the egg yolks. So I was already super limited, but I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, so what can I eat? So meat. And after learning, realized that really grass-fed beef was my best bet, ribeyes. And yeah, so that's what it's been looking like a lot of, I started with a lot more chicken and I had, would do like pasteurized bacon and beef, but then now I've kind of, I initially just did it for 21 days. That was my, I was like, I'll just do this for 21 days, see how I feel. And then after that, I didn't want to go back. So, so um, what is your, run us through like your daily, daily life. So what time are you eating? Like, what are your feeding windows and what does the meal actually look like? Yeah. So how does it not get boring? That's really what I'm (laughs) trying to get into. Yeah. Okay. So my day looks like a lot of times I'll fast in the morning. It just depends. But my breakfast, if I do eat breakfast, it'll be like a ribeye steak or some grass fed burger patties. Um, and then lunch, same thing, dinner, um, a ribeye, New York strip, but usually I eat two meals a day. Okay. Um, sometimes only one. I just really try to tune into my own hunger and fullness and not try to like, Ellie, you're eating this restricted window. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what are my energy needs? What do I, am I working? Am I teaching a class this morning? Cause I teach fitness. So sometimes I need more than others, but how it doesn't get boring Honestly, it's like every time I sit down to eat, I'm so excited to eat. And I think it's because when you eat out of real hunger, food tastes like your ex- yeah. food tastes good. So, and I've always kind of been somebody like I'm okay with eating the same thing every day. And I know a lot of people aren't like that. So I, I'm not trying to project this on anybody. And I think everyone- Yeah, it was more of just a test that turned into a <laughs> yeah. long-term solution, which is what I would recommend to anybody else out there. If you're struggling like Ellie was with finding solutions, it's insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And- expecting different results. So a lot of people would continue to just, oh, well, I have this issue, but they continue to just be the person that's causing the issue in the first place rather than changing something in their initial system. And one of the things that I've struggled with in the past is basically this thing telling myself in my head, like, oh, that can't be possible. Like if I, if I do this one little thing, that's not going to work. Cause over the years we do certain things and we try different things. And I, I don't know, your path, but like mine has been like, I'll try something and it won't work. And then like, I'll just get frustrated and even more frustrated. But it sounds like you found some solutions through this. So for anybody else out there, who else should potentially give it a try? Like what type of conditions should someone be going through to maybe consider this type of eating? Yeah. Great question. I think anybody with autoimmune issues, I think anyone with neurological issues, anxiety, depression, whether you maybe start on paleo and then like shift into keto, more carnivore, depending where you're starting from, I think it matters. You don't necessarily need to go full carnivore if you're not ready for that, but definitely autoimmunity, neurological issues, gut issues, for sure. Anything from ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. I've learned so much through this process and just how much plants have defense mechanisms. They want to survive just as much as we do. Yeah. And certain people have larger tolerances to these plant toxins like phytates, oxalates, lectins than other people. And if you are immune compromised or you have leaky gut or you just maybe in a state right now that your body's not able to to handle this, that taking them out can be so massively transformative. And I think it's just good for people to to know that this is 
is an option that they could try. Yeah, that's that's amazing in the way that you broke that down. That's something that I don't think a lot of people out there even think about when it comes to vegetables and fruits is that they are living things as well and they have chemicals inside of them to fight off people eating them. And one of the one of the books I'm reading is called The Botany of Desire which talks about apples, potatoes, marijuana and tulips and it talks about how plants are basically guiding us, we're not guiding plants. So in reality, when a plant needs to spread its seed, it has other organisms do it. And it talks about how the different types of plants, like an apple is sweet, it's good to eat. So the humans would eat it and then transfer it across the United States. But at first it it started out as cider. People liked getting drunk. So the plant would get them drunk and then it would transfer the seed all the way across the United States. So it's interesting to see how when you think of the world like that as like we think we're in control as human beings where these things have different mechanisms in there to make you feel good or not feel good or things like that and i don't think that's something that anybody ever really thinks about i didn't think about this until my mid 20s um where i started struggling as well so anybody out there that's listening if you're having some type of autoimmune reaction or pain or skin conditions i've realized is a huge one i deal with acne on my back and i'm still trying to fix it it's something with my diet i know it you have to switch things up. But my really big question with all this is my wife and I love snacks. Like <laughs> we are like we work out a lot because we like to, we enjoy it, getting in that run or, or doing that lift. But one of the things that we always like to enjoy is a cookie here and there. And then I always go for Natamu, the dairy-free ice cream here. What do you do about that? Like how do you get rid of those cravings? Yeah. And just going all into meat. Totally. So I was experiencing the same thing, like even on like the low carb paleo, it's like I'd want certain like, even if it was like sweet potatoes, I just like would crave like, or, like a dark chocolate. Potatoes. Yeah. And so what's so fascinating is like when you go full carnivore, like those cravings stop. And I don't know, like you just feel even so satiated. Not from day one. Okay. So in the beginning, um, having to, there is a little bit of transition period where you're figuring that out. If you yeah. want snacks, maybe you could wean into it and do like lower toxic foods. So like- avocados, olives, not really many things that are sweet. You could do a little bit of honey and yeah. And then just kind of wean yourself. But after, honestly, it was after a couple of days for me, I think it was, I was already not eating a bunch of that stuff mm-hmm. was you just feel so satiated, especially if you're eating like fatty ribeyes, <laughs> like yeah. you're getting that good fat. And I think that was a big important thing for me to make sure that I was getting enough fat because I realized when I wasn't, I was craving more. Okay. If that makes sense. And I was able to fast way longer. So it's just, it's wild. Yeah, it does. And one of the reasons I upped my fat intake is like fasting. Like, so like that juice land smoothie that I just had, it's 12, it's actually one o'clock right now. So we had it 30 minutes ago. I hadn't eaten prior to that and I'd already ran two miles. And I started realizing in the beginning that was really tough, but I just up my fats a little bit and I can fast a little bit longer. And then when I can fast a little bit longer, I'm more clear, like mentally there, which then causes me to crave less sugar, crave less caffeine. And it's just this like cyclical cycle of being able to be clear. And that's another thing that I think everyone should strive for is the clarity in mind. If you can be a clarity in mind, you're going to make better decisions that are going to lead to better things in your life. So how did you get into 
like holistic health in the first place. So one thing that y'all don't know about Ellie that connects her and I is she's an ex-engineer just like I am. (laughs) And we both went into the health space right out of engineering. But what piqued your interest in this space in the first place? Run us through that story a little bit. Yeah, I was a, so I was a sugar addict my entire life. So for me to tell you that I'm uncomfortable. What does a sugar addict look like? Okay, a sugar addict, um, someone who I, every decision I made, I feel like was dependent on like, am I going to get sugar? Like this is from childhood. So like my brother would have baseball games and my parents would be like, Ellie, do you want to go to Harry's baseball game? And I'd be like, is there a concession stand? Like that was me. (laughs) And so, yeah, like I'm pretty sure I did summer league swim team because we got to eat like fun dip and chocolate and like my mom didn't buy much junk food. So it was like, those were my magic moments. I was just like lived for them, but I never had, I was tiny. Like I never had a weight problem growing up. And so it was really just this compulsive eating behavior that I had. And I would, I would come home and melt Hershey kisses in a bowl and eat it with a spoon and then pass out from like a sugar coma for an hour. That's or two. awesome. <laughs> so no, this is so embarrassing. And I'm, I'm just picturing you as I'm, a little kid, like literally melting this chocolate. My and brother makes fun of me out. so much for, for this. Chocolate all over your face? Yes, <laughs> probably. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was, I don't use that word lightly. Like, yeah. at, like I very much like I was obsessed and it really didn't catch up to me until college when I started to gain weight and I was doing everything I knew to do to keep it off. So the conventional wisdom of eat less and move more. So I would commit to hours in the gym and try to restrict myself and then would end up binging. And it started, it was this horrible cycle of trying to starve myself, got to a point where I was trying to make myself throw up and felt really out of control with food. So I had so much shame in my body. I didn't want to like stopped wanting to go out with friends, put clothes on. It was just like felt like I couldn't get out of this. And then I started developing the autoimmune condition. So it wasn't just the weight. It was started developing the eczema, was losing hair, digestive issues, really low energy. So I'd gone from this hyperactive ADHD kid who could not sit still to someone who didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. And that was, it was such a huge shift. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel like everything felt like such a daunting task? And my brain clarity was horrible. I ended up getting on ADHD medication and was taking stimulants just to be functioning. And I went to six different doctors, all of whom couldn't really find anything wrong. Nothing that stuck out. What did they do? Okay. Because I I know this story because this is me, but what did those... What was that initial doctor you go to? What do you what questions do you start asking? Like what led to that moment of like I need to see a doctor? Yeah, I was having shortness of breath issues where I couldn't get full breaths randomly during the day and I would have to I like call my parents panicking that I was going to like stop breathing. So that started happening more and more frequently and then my toes were going numb. I was my toes would go white and my pinky toe would go like black and I'd have to leave where I was to go soak my feet in a hot tub. So it was like these it was actually like taking away from my lifestyle. Like, I guess I could live with the, I was living with the fatigue because I was using the the Adderall to heighten myself back up. So then that was what led me to the first doctor who again, took my blood work, just basic panel and nothing was flagged. So he was like, Oh, it it might just be acid reflux. And I was handed like some pepsin or something. I was like, "This, (laughs) this is not acid reflux. And then I went to a, um, I was having the gastric like issues. And so I went to a gastroenterologist and they did a endoscopy or whatever endoscopy endoscopy and they didn't find anything wrong 
Um, nothing major, they said. And so then I went to a cardiologist for the numbness of my toes. They did all sort of like EKGs and he was, he would like feel, he was like feeling my toes and how cold they were. Like I just wasn't getting circulation and he, but he was, he was like, I don't like, I, I don't know your blood work looks fine. And, um, and through all of this, they've never tested my, they only for thyroid tested TSH. They never tested any antibodies. They never tested any other thyroid markers. And so, oh, your thyroid's fine. TSH looks in range. And what is fine? Like, that's the thing. Right. It's predicated on what? Like, yeah, on this average of like sick humans. That's like, yeah, yeah this is What is normal. fine to Ellie is we don't know. And yeah. they don't ever look into that, which is frustrating. Exactly. And then I finally, my mom was seeing a naturopath for her thyroid. So I went to see her and she was the only one that asked me what I was eating. And at the time I thought I was doing pretty well, like with the whole wheat bread and low fat yogurt. Yeah, and yeah. And she's, Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> and she knew she was she knew pretty much instantly that it was this was a big contributing factor. And so I got tested for food sensitivities, was found to be intolerant to gluten, soy, eggs, and dairy. So I went off completely off of those for three months and I didn't feel hardly any better. And that was because I went to the allergy-free processed junk food. Yeah. I was like eating gluten-free cakes and brownies. And I was like, this is this is easy. It's like the bar swings from the right all the way to the left and you didn't really find that happy medium yet. Yeah. And I was just eating junk food. Yeah. I mean, I was eating processed oils. I was eating so much sugar, probably more than I was already eating. And I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. And then nothing – I mean, I wasn't having any change in results. So then I finally committed to a Whole30 – and I don't know if your listeners know what Whole30 is. So basically getting, eating real food, getting off sugar, getting off grains, getting off those toxic oils. And I failed the first 24 hours. I binged on a box of Enjoy Life brownies. <laughs> and like I didn't make it 24 hours. And hey, at least you chose some brownies. Yeah. You didn't dip your like toe in the water. You like jumped in the, in full in the deep end, which is, hey, that's respectable. Yeah. I love brownies. I love cookies. I love pizza. Um, it's, it's definitely hard. Yeah. But then I finally, I was like, if I want to, if like, I knew that I kind of knew sugar was the thing, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. I was like, I will give up anything but sugar. And then after those 30 days, I made it through and my world changed. It was the first time in my life I didn't crave chocolate. And I didn't think that was humanly possible. This might sound very dramatic to people who maybe not sugared, struggled with sugar addiction, but it was huge. And all my symptoms went away in those 30 days. I lost about 15 pounds in 30 days. Most of it was inflammation that I was holding. And then by the second month, it was all, I lost like the 30 pounds I had gained. And after that, I was like, I want to know why. Like I kind of became obsessed with wanting to understand what was happening in the body. And like, I felt so much better. I was like, I have to share this with people. And this was eight years ago. And so since then, been diving into, I diving into the paleo lifestyle and just learning about autoimmunity and um, food triggers, food sensitivities. And then also on the other side, sugar addiction and binge eating, because I was, even though I was finally felt like I had some semblance of being in charge of the way I was eating, I was still compulsively eating. So that didn't just solve in 30 days. I had some space because I wasn't so hooked on sugar, but I was still stress eating. I was still eating when I wasn't actually hungry. I was binging at night, overeating. And that brings, that brings up an interesting topic because what in your life do you think caused like the binging? So I think a lot of people don't even recognize 
that they're eating when they're eating in today's world. It's because we're going from meeting to meeting or phone call to phone call, or we're always rushing somewhere. So it's putting our food in our mouth. And are we consciously thinking about what are we actually doing? I know at least for me, like when I was in the corporate world, that's kind of like what my life looked like. It was like, oh, I need some food before I go to work. So throw something in my mouth and then go. And then in college, it was like PB&J, tuna fish sandwiches, eggs, like all these things just thrown together rather than thinking what's actually optimal for me. Where were you at in your life? So this, you said this is eight years. Tell us a little bit about like where you grew up, where you actually went to school, what you went to school for, and then we can get a little bit of a background of your actual life and yeah. then how that played into binge eating and your now healthy obsession with helping other people <laughs> yeah. stop the binge eating and get healthier. Yeah. So I was a chemical engineer, um, but I, I grew up in Kingwood, Texas, Houston, and I went to LSU for college for engineering. And I think the, the binging was a lifetime of conditioning of me. Why did you choose engineering? Why did I choose engineering? Because I, this is honest truth. I didn't even know what a chemical engineer did. I loved math and science. I initially wanted to go to med school, but I had, for some reason, at 18, I had I was like, if I don't get into med school, which I don't know why I thought that, but I was like, if I don't get into med school, then I don't want to have just like a biology degree. I want to have like a solid degree to fall back on. And so again, like math and science, I was like, okay, chemical engineer, that's a great job. I had no idea what it was. I'll do that. And then I kind of just didn't ask myself, what do you actually want to do? I just went and then full speed ahead. I love school and I loved studying. And so it's just, I lost sight of the vision. I just was the next test. I'll study for like, and I had that. Um, I was also started taking the ADHD medication in college. And so there was no awakening. It was just like, yeah, you just hyper focus. Let me yeah. just hyper focus. I'll do all of this. And I did great. But then I got to, I started working as an engineer. My job was fine. Like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my, it wasn't where my heart was. And I was, having after the health transformation, I got off all the ADHD medication. And I think that was one of the big parts was like, I finally was like, what am I doing? Like I'm on this hamster wheel. Where am I going? And I have this like burning desire with nutrition. That's all I was doing in my spare time was studying it. And you know, they say like, what do you do in your spare time? That's like, what you, what should, you should do. It's <laughs> so like, I'm just listening to pot. I'm listening to Dr. Robert Lustig's lectures online and like all this like Meanwhile, you're showing up to this corporate job and you're yeah. just like so conflicted because while yours was the nutrition, my pathway in was personal training. And I, I always, like I'm an athlete, so I always was working out without even really working out because when you're a kid, you just show up to sports and you run and you do the drills and whatever. Once those drills are taken away, like what do you fill that time with? Most people go to the gym. That's what they fill it with. And then people started coming up to me like, hey, I'd I'd love to pick your brain on what you're doing training wise. And then I started realizing like most people were asking what I was eating because I'd always been, even when I, in college, I'm, I was sick. I knew I was sick. So I was, even though I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on whole wheat bread, like I thought that was healthy at the time. Like yeah. versus now I wouldn't touch that shit <laughs> six with a six foot freaking pole. Like that's just how I, I live these days. But I relate so, so much to you because you're on this, this wheel that everyone else says you should be on because as an engineer, you get that nice salary and you get the nice benefits and even more so you get the respect. You show up to parties and you're, people are like, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm an engineer here. And everyone else's eyes light up. Oh, cool. You're an yeah. engineer. And deep down inside, you have this like rooted, like, 
I'm not an engineer. Like that's, that's what I felt because again, what was I doing at home? I was studying how to work out, how to eat, how to self-optimize, how to grow businesses really. Cause I was interested in entrepreneurship, listening to Tim Ferriss's four hour work week for you. I know how the biggest thing for people is I call it like popping. They pop, the lights come on, they wake up. But that's also a scary moment in itself because then you're like, where the hell do I go? Like I have all these ideas and all these thoughts, but I'm surrounded by all these people that really can't do anything for me in terms of helping me get to that next level in my life because their next level is not my next level. So what was your first inkling that not only did you want to study it for yourself and figure it out for yourself, go a little bit deeper into how you started helping other people do the same thing. Yeah. So I, it just kept bubbling up. So it was like, it wasn't like the first spark I had. And then I just like went and became a health coach. It was just, it kept coming up in these moments of like, oh my gosh, I want to do something with this. So I started looking into nutrition schools. Like, do I want to go back to school to be a dietitian or something? But because of what I had known about like the conventional wisdom, I was like, I don't know if I want to go spend another four years in school of studying. I don't know if this is right for me, like if it's in alignment with my beliefs around nutrition. And so I was like, wow, I just want to help people. So I found the Health Coach Institute and then I started doing- And when was this? This was five years ago, six okay. years ago. And I- um, yeah, And where are you to, living at this time? I was in Mobile, Alabama. So I okay. went to Alabama for to work at Honeywell, a chemical engineering job. And I was working in research and development, making catalysts and adsorbents. And totally what you said, what you're saying about like, going to a party and being able, like saying like, I'm a chemical engineer and people like lighting up. There's so much ego. There's so much, it was like to let that go was one of the most challenging parts for sure. And to be in Alabama where quitting your job wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Austin. Texas where like half, where everyone's doing half, it. Yeah. Half, yeah. The, <laughs> half the city here does what we do. So it's right. It was different. And I, I'm I'm thinking back to it. Um, how I just was, sparked my I think having my my mom was so supportive like she loved it because she loved like the what I was teaching her I like basically transformed my whole family into a amazing I'm working on my family they're getting there I got my mom putting avocados in my dad for the fat like he our family lacked fat over the years I I I notice it when I think back to and I think a lot of they replace it with processed carbs everything we have is we had meat and carbs and like, yes. that's it. There was no fat. We didn't really use olive oil. We didn't do, we didn't eat avocados. It was all just like meat and carbs and getting him to start eating some natural fats because I know what it does for your brain and it does for your heart health and things like that. But we're working on them. But yeah. so you help your, you, you help your family go. And then what was the kind of next step? So this is 2015. You start having kind of ideas that you want to help other people. You help your yeah. family. Do you remember your first client? Yes. In our coaching program, we had to take two people through it for free. And I did, I think it was my aunt and both of my sisters. So yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot. Oh no, there. it's okay. I, I just want to transition for client. people out there. Yeah. That are uh, maybe thinking of doing something, how that transition kind of works. Cause mm-hmm. you don't have to jump in and take on 10 clients right away. It yeah. looks very natural, just like with what Ellie was doing, where it's just help your friends and family first and whoever's willing to pick your brain, uh, give that energy to you. So you help your sisters uh, and your aunt. And then is that the moment that you were just like, this is this is what I want to do? Or was it a little bit more gray? So before I coached them, so I like coached my mom, like 
I guess before I knew I wanted to be a coach, like I was just like telling everybody about it because I just was, I think, I don't know if you've ever had this where something works for you. So you just like, everyone needs yeah. to do this. <laughs> so I've learned a lot since then that it's not like, that's not how nutrition works. I think works, it comes with age. Yeah. yeah. Like when we're younger, it's like we get very excited with things rather when you get older, you're like, the answer is always for me. I start finding it depends. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. But um, so at the time though, I was not that, I didn't have that mentality. I was just like, everyone needs to know about paleo. <laughs> and so um, then I got certified as a coach while well, I was still an engineer. So I just did my certification with through the Health Coach Institute. It was a six month program and then through the program. So started, so I already knew like I'm doing this coaching. Um, I, that's when I had the clients. And then I just started slowly growing from there and worked, did coaching on the side of my job for two years and then finally got to a place where I could leave. So what did that look like on the side? That's amazing, by the way. And that's the same, literally the same thing that transpired for me was coaching on the side of, on top of my full-time job. And I actually recommend that. People think that I'm this hardcore, you got to be an entrepreneur type of person. It might come off that way on some of my content, but in reality, I am an optimizer. I'm like, do what's best for your specific situation. I'm pro entrepreneurship because it makes you grow in mindset, spirituality, health and wellness, nutrition. That's why I'm pro entrepreneurship. I believe everybody should dive a little bit into it because it's going to make you a better human being. And if you, you become a better human being, this world becomes a better place. But I actually recommend everyone follow the same path that we did. And one of the things that I struggled with the most is figuring out when to actually jump into the thing full time. So run us through a little bit of what your life looked like when you're kind of juggling these two things. What was the day in the life of Ellie when she's an engineer and then also working on the side as a health coach? Yeah, it got to a point where I had no life. It was like two full-time jobs. And um, it was, luckily my job was super flexible in my project. So it's like, as long as I did, like I got my work done, I had my own office. Like I could do a lot of stuff during the day, like throughout, but mostly it was like late nights, early mornings. And it just, as it built, I got to a point where it literally, I just didn't have time. If I wanted to grow, I knew I had to leave even like let go of That's the security such a good place to be in. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was good. And I just, and I was listening. I mean, I think this is the best thing. I was listening to so much, like you're a badass on audible. I was listening, like it awoken me spiritually. I mean, I just being able to trust and the universe has your back by Gabby Bernstein. That book was really big in my life at that time. Abraham Hicks for anybody like just law of attraction and just having that in my head at all times. Cause I was, I didn't have a huge social circle at the time because I was just like- Yeah, you're just working. Working. And so that was like, those were my, I mean, I was also teaching bar three, but like those were my people. Like (laughs) Jones and Cheryl, like they were in my brain constantly. Like every time I was in my car, I had it on every time. Like, and I think that was a huge- piece for me to believe in myself and be I mean, like, it's I it's so true. This. Like you are what you listen to. You are who you hang around. You are what you eat. And that's why it confuses a lot of this world confuses me because the solutions tend to be really simple, but not easy to actually execute on. Like you want a better life, hang around better people, eat better things, listen to better knowledge, advice, seek better resources but it's not easy for a lot of people to kind of go through with that. And I applaud you for, again, 
being able to get to that point where you built your business up enough where it was like, man, I really got to quit this job, but I know how scary it is to like leave that world. So was there, do you remember specifically a breaking point for you or how did it look for you to start thinking like, I'm actually going to quit my job? What was your preparation and planning process? Because this is what I think scares a lot of people off is they don't even want to do the planning and preparation. So they just stay at the job. What was yours? What did that look like? Yeah, it's actually funny. I am very, I have an impulsive behavior. So <laughs> not just quitting was like something I almost did. I mean, I got to a point and I'd have like these impulses. I'm like, okay, I got to do it. But then it was like, you know, step back. And I actually posted in, I don't know what it was. I posted in my, my health coaching group, like Facebook community. And I put something around like, oh my gosh, like I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to quit today. And some girl reached out to me. Her name is Joanna. And she was like, just wait, wait, just wait one second. Like, can we hop on a call real quick? And I think it was divine timing. And she helped me plan out two months in advance, like the actual leaving process, taking care of everything, which is not something, which I And what did that needed. look like? So what was so, the biggest takeaways from that planning process? Yeah, it was, I think just getting very clear, picking a date, like this is the date it's happening. And then having, and once that's decided, then it's just kind of like, okay, it's happening. So we got to get stuff done. We got to like, she helped me create a checklist, which was like, how, what am I going to do for my insurance? What am I going to do? Kind of like the logistics that me, I did not want to think about. What so, is the so, biggest thing that people should be thinking about when they, when they decide, leave? Yeah. When they're deciding to quit their full-time job. I think, I guess looking back now, I wish I would have been more mindful with like saving. <laughs> really that's smart. a given that's a given okay <laughs> that was a given wait so i'm trying to think but you brought what was the question? insurance like, insurance okay yeah, yeah. just like figuring that out like, um what were some of your fears my fears were mostly like telling people disappointing like my boss and my mentors uh they were awesome so that was more like emotional um fear that i would fail that i it was a dumb decision and yeah, that was the biggest steps. The insurance, all that stuff is logistics and you can do, it'll be figured out. Your 401k, all that stuff will be. Yeah, so what you're talking about is your ego. Yeah. Like the ego the gets ego. the best of us. And and even stating back to the whole engineering thing, like that was, that was something for me because I was like a 23, 24 year old male. It's just like, I put my slacks on, I'm like, I'm an engineer, I'm this, I'm that. And you really start thinking like, who am I? after this like when i quit and i don't i don't have a boss to come to and i don't have anything really calling me who am i what's my life who is cj why am i here so did you figure out kind of like what you were going to do for that next year or was it kind of like you had your two month plan and then it was just like all right it's day 1 i'm just going to attack it what did, what did that look like so as soon as you get over that kind of like the logistics and you get rid of your ego and you're just like yeah I, I don't care about being an engineer anymore i know that like it's a very up and down journey but other people when they're about to jump into it it's like so 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 exciting and then once you jump like that first week 3 weeks month goes by and everything starts rushing to you what were you feeling in that moment? Yeah, after the jump? Yeah. I was, I, f I mean, the first couple of days, there was like a high and it's just like, yes, I did this. And then there was, it was a roller coaster. The first year was a massive roller coaster. And it was so hard to kind of like take breaks, to relax at any time because it's just like, oh my, I need to be on. I need to be, I need to be working. And it was, I had so much less structure, which for me with, 
like I mentioned, ADHD structure was huge for me. So it was like, I felt like I was more efficient having the full-time job because I just like, I had to. You had to do things and show up at certain times. Yes, exactly. And so it was, um, it was hard for me to relax for a while. Um, And it was just that continuous trusting and continuous not stopping the practices of meditation was huge and the filling my brain with all this other entrepreneurs that were going through the similar things, like just knowing that I wasn't alone. Um, Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller is a podcast that I'm so grateful for, perfect timing that it came into my life when I was looking to leave my job. And it absolutely was game-changing and getting me through that first year for sure. So you're in this first year and you're taking on new clients and working with clients. Beyond like the structure, what was the biggest struggle that you found yourself facing beyond like not really understanding what you should be doing, when you should be doing it. What were some other things that you kind of were struggling with throughout that process? Yeah. I, th- I think definitely the financial insecurity of ups and downs with not having a steady paycheck anymore. And so that there was so much fear there. And um, how much of your satisfaction was tied to that paycheck? Did you realize meaning like, you coming from this world of like every every two weeks or every week, depending on where you work, money is hitting your account. To now you're going into this <laughs> world where it's like you don't even know when it's going to hit the account. Yeah. And how much is actually going to hit there. So that's a huge, that's a, that's a big mental shift that I don't think a lot of people will ever feel in their lifetime because most people don't become entrepreneurs. But for you, I'd love to know a little bit of your experience of like what that felt like. I know for me, it was... I'm a male. You're thinking breadwinner. I need to make more than my spouse. I need to do like, I need to provide for my family. I need to do these things. And now I'm not putting it down on that. Women don't have that pressure either. Um, they do in today's world. Uh, we all do, but for me, that's what was going through my head. So for you, what was it kind of like going through your head of your satisfaction and your achievement is predicated on this check coming in every week to now that's gone. What was going through your head? Yeah, um, a lot of fear that I wasn't going to be able to sustain my lifestyle. A lot of money beliefs kind of got pushed to the front, like how to face them about like feeling feeling like debt was a bad thing or that I was, if that I you're got- a bad person. If I was a bad in, person yeah. if I ever went into debt. And it was like, so there's this like fear of like, oh my gosh, like I don't, because I, I don't want any credit card debt because that was just what I had heard. That's what I- grew up with not realizing that that voice was in my head. But um, yeah, so fearful of that, the voice of your ir- being irresponsible with your money, spending too much. But I think what helped with that was, again, like the the spirituality and the-, and the- yeah, You feel like you're letting friends, family members down. like, mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like. Because when, I mean, it, you just live in this world where like I'd go to the bar and when you have a check, it's just like, oh, I got it, $100. Yeah. yeah. Just off. And then you go to a bar and it's just like, I, I can't take this bill. Like, so you start realizing that there's all this mental construct. At least that's what I started realizing. There's so much mental construct that we've been built up over time to just ex- accept that money works one way when actually it works in completely different ways. I be- I'm a big believer that money is energy. When you give out good energy, it starts to come back. Um, now I'm not saying that you just give your money away yeah. um, at all, but 
here's a good example. I heard this on an, on a podcast. I'm a big podcast listener. It's like you take one one thousand dollar course, it wastes your money. You take another thousand dollar course, it wastes your money. You take a third a thousand dollar course or a networking group, and it semi wastes your money. The fourth one you take that's a thousand dollars helps you build a million dollar company. So you spent four grand. You went in debt four grand to now run a million dollar company, but nobody ever thinks of it like that. They just think, oh, I spent four grand and I'm in debt and they validate themselves based on that. And there's this thing that Tony Robbins talks about, which is achievement versus fulfillment. Did you feel more fulfilled when you were spending the money that you needed to spend to do what you love? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I invest in mastery coaching program. I was like, no, it was like no thought. It was like, I just, I knew I need to do this, (laughs) you know? Um, And how did you feel in that moment when you're in that program? good. I mean, yeah. I felt amazing, right? Yeah. So amazing. That's the problem that we have this attachment to the money is like the money doesn't actually make you feel amazing. And most people think it does. So for me, when I was working full time, the money hitting the bank account never made me feel anything. I didn't even really look at it. And then now I'm very much, I mean, I, I always was into looking at my finances. I didn't look at it when it was coming in week over week from my salary, but I would be cautious of where I was putting it. But now I think of it as like energy where when the business makes money, I'm like, Ooh, I can impact this person in this way, or I can do this thing, or I can bring fulfillment in this way rather than like hoarding it and then feeling shit about myself anyway, because I'm hoarding it, not doing anything with my life that I actually like to do. And what started ended up happening was getting into this belief that it takes money to make money. And that's one of the things that anybody listening out there, one of the biggest things that I teach in like my consulting program and when I do one-on-one coaching is that in the beginning, like your goal shouldn't be to amass millions of clients or millions of dollars. It should be to figure out what is it that brings you that fulfillment and keeps you going. Because if you consistently find ways of bring yourself fulfillment, the money is going to come. You're going to keep serving. And then you're going to get this one little project that turns into two projects. It turns into three. So when in your journey, did it kind of click that, okay, I'm stable And this is kind of what I want to do because I work with Ellie very closely and she works on tons of different programs and has reset groups. She coaches online. She does fitness training. We connect very, very well because we're both doing a lot of different things. When did it click for you though, that this was who you were and what you're meant to do? Because I remember for me, the money problem was a huge issue for a year or two, especially because I was juggling not only my money, but like I had a significant other. So I started having this doubt of like, am I good enough for this other person? Am I good enough for my friends and and things like that? But eventually I get to this point where like, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I get so fulfilled working on multiple projects. I know I can do this. Now I'm stable and we can continue to grow. I remember that vividly in my head, but for you, was it any given moment in that year? Or like what, when did you start feeling a little bit more secure and where you were going? Yeah, I think it still is kind of a, uh, ebb and flow. I mean, I, there's still moments now that I still feel great answer. I'll still feel insecure, <laughs> and um, there, I don't think there's ever a moment I'm like, yes, I've got this. I'm just, I've, yeah, nothing. I'm made it. Like I've no, I've not been there, but I've had many moments where I felt like this is, this is my calling. This is right, and I think most of those come 
in one-on-one sessions and you're just like really connected with somebody and you know that you're helping them and it's just like the best feeling in the world. And then even the moments of spending money with when you like, do you ever have moments where you like surprise someone with something and it's just like when they get it, like if you send like your aunt flowers or something and then she gets it and then she te- like she texts you. It's like that's, I'd spend a thousand dollars for that feeling like rather than having that, trying to hoard that money. And it's just like that energy then you get that energy and then you get to, it's just like fueling for more where the money will come. And I think that belief system has been huge for me over the past couple of years is just believing like the money's coming, the money will come, like just be, give, (laughs) give love and trust. And there's so many moments where I'm not feeling like that. There's so many moments where I'm like, oh shit, like where's, where's the money coming from? But then I just have to connect back and know like trust and give and come back to like, what, why am I here? How can I help? And then. Yeah. Cause it's, it's constant when you live in the abundance mindset, like you do, you're always challenging yourself to go bigger and grow and do bigger things, not only for yourself, but for other people. So one of the things about business is like, you don't just take the paycheck when you're the business owner. It's like, I got to actually invest in here. I got to invest mm-hmm. in this person. I got to take this program or this course to keep, continue to level up and progress uh, so that I can be a better manager, be a better person, be a better husband, whatever it is. And I love your answer there because I was hoping you would say something like that. Every day I'm waking up being like, what is my path? Is this the right <laughs> yeah. way? Uh, yeah. How much money am I going to need to do this or this? Um, but it's a different feeling. It's not, it went away from worry and anxiety to trust. Like I trust that as long as I am aware of, okay, I need to do this to make more money or I need to give this energy to grow this opportunity. As long as I'm aware of that, I've realized that good things happen. Now it's when I suppress and push those things away where it's like the money doesn't exist and that's what I used to do is like, I'm just not even going to look up auto pay, <laughs> auto do whatever, auto buy this. It's like you're on autopilot and I'm coming full circle here because I kind of like how this, where this went with money is with health. A lot of people aren't willing to spend money on their health. And what I want to tell them is that it's the best investment that you can ever make is like working with somebody like Ellie, if you're struggling in terms of sugar and binge eating, because that, again, that $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, investment up front is gonna bring you fulfillment that you can't even see right now. Because as soon as you go through a program like that and you feel better, you show up better to your job, you show up better with your friends and your family, you show up better for yourself, which is the most important. You feel better, you have clarity, and it's gonna bring you way more energy. Again, because money is energy, it's gonna bring you way more energy over the long term of your life. You might, you're gonna get raises, you're gonna get new opportunities, um, you're gonna meet new people. And that's where I'd love to transition this as we go to the last quarter of this episode into what it is you actually do today. So we kind of went through the transition of your job and how you got into this world, but what is it that you're working on today so that the listeners can kind of understand a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like now and what you're working towards? Yeah. So I coach one-on-one mostly, one-on-one clients, and then I lead 21-day resets a couple times a year. And these are groups that I take through a low inflammatory protocol. And we do a lot of mindful eating work so that they're learning the tools, how to really be conscious when they're eating and not just another diet. It's really learning how to see food in a different light. And I think the tools in there just, 
there's so much power in being able to be present with your food and being able to stop using food emotionally. Um, so those are my two big things I'm working on. And then also a, an online course, making that 21 day reset an evergreen online course. So that's what's in the works right now. And you mentioned 21 day reset. I know what's in it. But like, <laughs> what the hell does a 21 day reset even mean? Yeah. So it's 21 days to basically get off a bunch of the highly inflammatory foods and learn how to fuel your unique body. And so it's 21 days of learning how to make simple swaps, how to really eat in a way that you don't feel deprived. You're not feeling like, oh, I can't wait till these 21 days are over so I can go back to what I was doing before. It's really creating sustainable habits for a long time. And it's a, like to most people, lose weight, clearer skin, have more energy. And again, one of the biggest drivers that it's about is the mindfulness coaching throughout and learning the tools how to eat mindfully. So what does like one day look like in this group? So if I signed up tomorrow, like what does one day in the life of uh, a mindful belly resetter look like? Yeah. So it's wake up, eat an amazing breakfast that you, you know, is like I provide very easy go-to breakfast, like very much how can we make this super convenient and work into your life. So having that, um, we have a daily workout class with, I teach yoga, um, Pilates, toning classes. And then I have guest instructor CJ taught one of my classes for my resetters. Yeah. So hit classes. And so we've got guest trainers come in. So every day there's a live workout and then they get access to the, all the recordings for life. So that, and then we have speakers about two to three times a week, guest speakers. I've had doctors come in. I've had organizational coach inspiring people about stress and meditation, anxiety. So we've got a bunch of guest speakers throughout the weeks. And then those recordings are available to them. And They've got a really awesome community. It's about 30 to 40 people that are all going through the reset together. And I'm coaching them live on Facebook. And I just feel really connected with all my resetters so that they feel really supported and held accountable. What is the most fulfilling thing about your reset that you've started? I think for me, the most fulfilling is being able to connect with all these people, especially during COVID. It was awesome. It was like such a savior for me. I love just helping people feel like they can do it. And like we release perfection. That's one of the, one of the mantras of the reset is like progress, not perfection, like 1% improvement. Like how can you just up level this today or this one meal? How could you just make this a little bit better? And I think empowering them with, with that versus the all or none mentality, I think is really, I guess one of my most fulfilling things is to be able to just see them use my languaging. I think afterwards too, like they'll, they'll like post stuff and they'll use like I up leveled this or like, Simple swaps and stuff that's like that. that's amazing, and that's something that like Tim Ferriss talks about on his par- podcast, where he's like made up words before. And he's like one of the most fulfilling things is like when I make up a word. I forget which one he. I was just reading his Tools for Titans book again, and he made up some word um, in terms of like social media or something, and like people started using it. And he was like that was like more fulfilling than a lot of money that I've made because you just had this lasting impact on people's yes. lives just through language. So that's really cool that you said that. Now you have this other half of your business as well. That's like one-on-one coaching. So what does that look like on a daily basis and who would be a a good candidate for that program? Yeah. So my one-on-one coaching is we do weekly coaching calls and then I'm their support and accountability throughout the week. And it is very much personalized to the client. So it's really figuring out exactly what is right for you, what is right for you at this time. I think that's really important. Honoring where you're at and 
guiding you in a way that is sustainable, that doesn't have you feel overwhelmed. And a big piece of it with so many of my clients, like we do focus a lot on nutrition, but so much of it is the mindfulness and the mindset piece. And meditation is huge. I usually guide a lot of meditations and breath work. And I, same with the 21 day resets. We do the daily live meditations and it's one of the most fulfilling things when they're using like the five, five, seven breath is one of the breath work methods we use. And when they're like, I was about to yell at my daughter and I use the five, five, seven breath. That's and it's amazing. just like, this is the best you guys. Um, so just that kind of work. And I think the people that, um, like my ideal client are people who are really struggling with sugar addiction or just eating emotionally and want, want to stop thinking about food all the time. I know that was like one of the biggest pieces of freedom I had it was like, wow, like not thinking about it all the time. Like I just got that mental space back, that energy back of like, yeah. I don't have to think about my food. I can think about projects I want to work on and just um, feel good in my body, feel good about myself and my decisions. And I don't feel like I'm on eggshells about to fall off the wagon. And then when I do, I just don't that, get back on. That connects with me so much. And over my lifespan, like a lot of my life has just been run by food. Where's, where's my next meal coming from? Do I have a snack with me? And that's where fasting has been so helpful for me because it's like a traveling used to be super stressful because I can't eat what's in the airports and I would get really hungry and hangry. And now it's just like, if there's nothing, I just won't eat. Yeah. Like I have that control now. And it sounds like you're giving a lot of those people that control over what they eat, what they say, what they do, how they show up. And that's really what we need in this world is more people that are doing that. But I know that as an engineer turned entrepreneur, you don't just have these like goals to continue doing resets and one-on-one. And -on -one. You have bigger dreams. And I'd love to kind of end this on where do you see yourself in <laughs> five, 10, 20 years? What do, what do you hope to do? What do you help travel, speak? What, what does it look like in Ellie's world and Mindful Belly as a business? What is inspiring you right now to get to that level that you really want to, that you're dreaming of? Yeah, this is such a great question and something I, I want to explore more. And I think some of my biggest dreams, I think I definitely want to speak and travel and be a public speaker and more so in the mindfulness space and, and helping people find presence and yeah, transforming their relationship with food, but on a larger scale. And I love to speak. So I would love to do that. And then I'm very into Wim Hof breathing and ice baths and biohacking things. And so it's one of my dreams would be to be like the director of human optimization at a company. I think that'd be so cool to be able to help all the, help all the employees on like the, the nutrition and the mindful eating piece, but also be able to have group ice baths yeah, and, that's and awesome. like help them optimize. That's just kind of like and maybe a, one you of my had fun your own dream. one day. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm like, I can just do this for my own company too. Yeah. Um, but that, those are like fun dreams, I think, for which I think are absolutely possible and putting them out. And then I um, want to also continue um, with the online course, creating this this evergreen online course. And that's like the, in the next couple months dream to expand that and see where that goes. Heck yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. And for all those listening, some of the things that we've been talking about, I highly, highly recommend looking in for yourself and that's your health and what you're eating. Um, you don't have to go necessarily on the carnivore diet like <laughs> yeah. Ellie was talking about, um, but definitely find what works for you. And she's definitely somebody that you can talk to and I'd love to connect you with her. So if you feel more comfortable reaching out to me, please do that. And I'll connect you with Ellie and see what works for you and what 
works best for you. But if they were to reach out to you, where can our audience best find you and connect with you? Yeah, on Instagram at Mindful Belly, and that's spelled with Ellie, so B-E-L-L-I-E. And uh, website is mindfulbelly.com. And any last parting words before we sign off here? I think biggest thing is just take moments throughout your day to breathe. If that's anything that you could take away from this podcast, that would be it, is just finding those many moments of presence, of being able to come back to your higher self as often as possible and recognize that you've got a place within you of stillness, of calm, of security at all times. You just have to kind of pause and listen, listen for it. Yeah. Like I've said before, there's two things we can always control and it's our attitude and our work ethic. So you can always, no matter what's going on around you, you can choose to bring that calmness. Or if you're in a moment where you need to bring the juice, as our last <laughs> guest, Zach would say, you can bring that juice, but also you can always continue to work hard, most importantly on yourself before you work on anything else. And in this episode, some of the biggest takeaways that I got from this was to never stop trying to find those solutions for yourself. So if you listen to Ellie's story, she's kind of been through the ringer of trying to find these solutions. And even when she became a holistic health coach, she was still struggling as I do still, even though I know a lot more than I used to, but I'm more willing to test different things. So she's now 70 plus days into the carnivore diet. If that's something that you would like to try, please reach out to her. And the other big takeaway for me is reminding myself that the money is is energy and that we should be looking for what fulfills us and what brings us joy because that's what's going to make the most impact on our journey and those around us. And that fulfillment's going to eventually come back in energy as well, in money and help us get to that next level. So hope you guys enjoyed this one. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up y'all? This is CJ again. On behalf of our small team behind the scenes and myself, thank you so much for listening to another one of our Thrive on Life episodes. The time you spend with us is very much appreciated. As mentioned before the show, our mission is always to help those around us get better. We fully understand that we can go so much further in life together as a team. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. So if you're interested in joining our community, please head to thriveonlife.com and join our Mighty Network. Within this network, you will find a diverse group of people that is on a mission of self-improvement. Within each improvement we make as individuals, we can then be of service to this world and help it get better as a whole. What's awesome is we've already had people make new friends, receive job offers, and collaborate on new business and creative opportunities. But most importantly, within this group, you will be guaranteed the ability to learn, grow, and share experiences with other like-minded individuals. This aspect is critical to our world becoming a better place for everyone, and we are proud of our group because it represents this. For other updates on the podcast community and business, please join our weekly mailing list. We'd love to hear from you. And before I leave you, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.